0: What are some of the traditions uh, that we have and what are some of the scriptural things that we need to have uh, and some of the traditions we need to break? You see, we either can rely on tradition or the Word of God. And Ephesians once tells us that the Word of God and the church, in the Word of God, that the church is built on the foundations of the apostles and the prophets with Jesus Christ as the cornerstone. We see there too in Ephesians chapter 2 that the church is the temple of the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit indwells us and we together form the church. That the church is the body of Christ and is made up of the priesthood of all believers. It is the temple of the Holy Spirit, the family of God, and so much more. And that we, the church, have been empowered by the Holy Spirit with a mandate from Jesus Christ and this mandate is laid out in Matthew twenty-eight, ninety to 20 Jesus has just risen from the dead and he he appears to his disciples and he gives them this apostolic mandate now the word apostolic or apostle simply means the sent ones the apostles were sent and church planting missions and that so that's the word when we talk apostolic mandate it's a if we want to be a church with an inward and an outward focus, but we want to be a church without walls. That church doesn't become an event, but we come together to be equipped and trained to take what we have and spread it to our neighbors and the nations, to go into our mission field. Johan heads up the Business Development Bank here, and he also heads up Congo Orphanage. And when he goes to the Congo, we say he's going on mission, and he is. He's been sent to do that. But actually, his primary mission field is the, is the place where he works. God puts us in places, gives us jobs, some we like, some we don't like, some we don't understand, but for a purpose. And in that purpose, he even pays us. He gets our businesses to pay us. To be missionaries. Isn't that amazing? Look at your job like that. Go and thank your boss and don't tell him why. It just sounds so awesome. Maybe you do. But you're a missionary. Wherever you go, outside of this door, you represent Christ. You're an ambassador of Christ. You're one that spreads the love of Jesus. And people don't want to hear what we say. They want to hear who we are. They want to know that they're loved and cared for. They want us to be there, and if necessary, and a loved one uh, passes away or there's sickness in their family, that we are the ones that can reach out to them and be there for them and pray for them and love them. And I bet you one day the most incredible thing will happen, and uh, I'm not saying this is because of me, but this happened once or twice uh, when I was in corporate world when, and I was shocked because I didn't know at that stage with how well I was representing Christ or not so it's not a thing of pride but one or twice once or twice a few times people would come and say there's something different about you and um, one of them was a, a Jewish guy very astute businessman uh, and so on very wealthy guy and he said Mike there's something about you and I said well one of the things, the difference between you and me, is that I have the whole Torah and you only have half the Torah. <laughs> the Torah is the Jewish Bible and it's only the Old Testament, and we have the New Testament. So I was quite amused by that, but it started a conversation, and I was able to um, uh, share a little bit of him from the Book of Hebrews and and so on, which speaks about the Old and the New Covenant. And he didn't um, give his heart to the Lord, but seed was sown, and we had an incredible relationship with him. And um, I'm sure I didn't always represent Christ well, but I tell you our heart should always be to do that in word and deed. See, the mandate Jesus gave the church through the apostles and all the, the disciples was this, 28:19 uh, to 20, to go into all the world, and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now Acts 1, 8 and 9. These are the very, very last words of Jesus Christ before he ascended into heaven. And this is what he said to the disciples, they were asking him questions about when you're coming back, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel, what is going to happen, and he says, listen, don't worry about those things, those are in the Father's hands, but he says this, that you who are believers will receive power on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit that is in you uh, comes upon you to and empowers you with power from the Holy Spirit that will come unto you, and you will be my witness in your Jerusalem, which is Nanaimo, in Judea, British Columbia, Samaria, Canada, to the utter ends of the world. And it doesn't start like this, that okay, let's first get Nanaima right, and then we do the others. It's all of the above, all of the time. In a week's time, uh, yeah, next, last Sunday, next Sunday I'll be here, but after that, Deborah and I will be in New Zealand for a few weeks doing some leadership training at the equip and uh, ministering in a few churches over there, over there and encouraging them as they encourage us. So please pray for that for New Zealand. And you see, this is where the problem comes in, and this is one of the traditions that is embedded in me and everybody, because somebody asked me what on Sunday, what are you doing? And I say, I'm going to church. Well, that is actually wrong, because we are the church. We are the body of Christ. So how can I, as the church, go to church? And it's something that is embedded in us, and so church has become an event instead of a lifestyle. I go to church on a Sunday, and I do my hour or two, or if Mike's preaching and he's on a roll, maybe three. <laughs> Remember, I lost half an hour in this. And, um, and we do our religious act of duty. We even maybe go to a home group and do that, duty. And then we get on with our real lives. You see, we are the church. And when we come together, we gather as the church. And it's very important that we gather. And Hebrews 10 says this, Let us not forget the gathering of the saints. We are saints, not because of ourselves, but because of Jesus Christ. Do not neglect the gathering of the saints, but encourage one another or spur one another on to love and good deeds all the more as you see the day appearing. And what is that day? The second coming of Christ. We don't know when it is, but we're 2,000 years closer than what they were. And it's in these times when We're out there, and we are being the church. Matthew 25. If you want to know how to be the church, go and read Matthew 25. The sheep and the goats. We won't talk about the goats, but it's a sobering thing. Go and read it. Matthew 25, if we want to be. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. You didn't tell me that I was such a sinner and it was my fault that I'm hungry because if I'd done this, this, and this, and this, I, would have, I wouldn't be hungry and so on. But when I was that, when I was in prison, he says, you visited me. When I was sick, you came and prayed with me. When I was cold, you gave me a coat. When my driveway and all, was full of snow and I was sick and I couldn't move that snow, You brought your shovel, and you shoveled my snow. Think of all of the things. We think it's big things. You see, because one of the traditions is that we think hierarchically in the kingdom. Like, I'm the big cheese. Well, come and um, live in my house, and you'll see that Deborah is actually the big cheese. (laughs) She's uh, (laughs) she's not here today. She's in Calgary watching my son ride at Spruce Meadows, but... uh, uh, I'll get that cut out because you are not like But we have this hierarchy. Like I get saved, and when I get saved, I'm just this lowly saint. All I am is a co-heir with Christ, an heir of God. I'm a really a nothing. There's no higher standing in the universe. Go and read Romans 12. Than being an heir of God and a co-heir with Christ. Go and see the authority that Christ is, and all that authority we've just read has been given to us through Jesus Christ and to go and be and do. But if I saint really well, then maybe I'll become a deacon. You've heard this often, many of you. But if I deek well, maybe I'll become an elder. If I do that well, I might lead a church, and who knows, I might be traveling all over the world sharing the gospel. You know what? If God has called you to do that and you're faithful, no man will stand in the way. You don't have to push it. God may be dealing with our character and things like that, not our gifting. God is not impressed with the gifts he's given me or you because he gave them to you. He's more impressed with our character and how we conduct ourselves. That word conduct, go and Google it in the New Testament. Paul speaks about how to conduct yourself Many times in the Word of God. And so we have this hierarchical thing. If God has called you to lead, lead. If God has called you to serve, serve. If God has called you to sow generously, sow generously. If God has called you as a mercy giver, give mercy. Romans 12, go and read it there. All of these things. If it's to prophesy, do it. But that is no more important to the body of Christ what I do than the person that puts out the chairs. As I said last Sunday, if the chairs weren't here, you'd want to know who the chairperson was, wouldn't you? Where's the chairs? The worship team decided to go on strike. When we came here, no worship. Dropped your kids at Sunday school. Where the heck are the teachers? You know what I mean? It's not to bring a heavy, but we're going to see how this God works us all out. That we are co-heirs with Christ, and out of that, He has called us to function. And next week, we are going to look at 1 Corinthians 12 and 13, because you can't look at 12 uh, and 14 without understanding 1 Corinthians 13 the book of love, the chapter on love, the agape of God. You see, we don't go to church, we are the church. The other thing is, often the church is called an organization. You will never, ever hear that word referring to the church in the Bible, organization. And I know what people mean by that, and in a broader sense, it is an organization. But when we see something as an organization, we don't think of life. We don't think of family. We don't think of the things that God speaks about in the Bible. And in an organization, we are in danger of gaining identity from what we do instead of who we are. Children of God. And if our identity is what we do, if we do it well, we have a good day. I mean, I must say, last week and the last two weeks, um, just because of coming back from South Africa and stuff that was going on, I really didn't feel I preached well. That's me. Mondays for pastors, keep yourself busy, don't sit in the chair thinking about Sundays. And that's me myself. But if my identity is in how well or how I don't perform, then I'm up and down like that. But if my identity is in Christ and I see the smile of God upon me when I'm doing what He's called me to do, then whether I do good or bad, it doesn't matter. Because that's how we learn and that's how we grow. And nobody does everything perfect anyway outside of Jesus Christ. You see? And so, identity is given that. But also, we are in danger of valuing people, this is the other side, for what they do and not who they are. And unfortunately, that uh, can creep into the church. And I've seen it too, all too often, and it's something that we are trying desperately to guard against. And as the church grows, it means we need more people loving more people so that leaders can lead, servers can serve, encouragers can encourage, uh, givers can give, prophets can prophesy, and we all come together and we form this beautiful thing called the body of Christ. And everybody is loved. They're Two of my friends—well, I've got more than two friends, but two of them. Two of them lead churches. One is a church of. And I'm just talking numbers, not because they mean anything, because I tell you that's another thing that we do in the church that is not helpful. If you're a pastor, I guarantee you, wherever I go, one of the first questions another pastor will ask me is, "How big's your church?" I think I should say, well, how big do you want it to be? And based on that, there's this hierarchy. You see, we look at size, but we don't look at impact. There are churches of 5 and 10. There was a church that started with 12 and grew to 120 and then exploded in in Acts chapter 2. Jesus would have been seen as a failure, in the church grove scene today. God, that's all you could do? Twelve guys and a few hangers-on that were in the upper room, and they were still there. I'm sure they were in there a lot of the time because they didn't know whether they'd live or die. But they were praying. And then the Holy Spirit came, and then Peter says, Ah, this is what was meant. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. You see, it's impact. It's not how many people we can fit in this building. It is how many people we can fit in this building if we're making a difference. Because one, the Word of God says, uh, one c- can chase a, t- a thousand to ten thousand. The Word of God says that. How much more can a church empowered? and engaged through the Holy Spirit, carrying their part of the load. What difference can we not only make in the city, but in this nation and in the nation of the world? We look at the political instability around the world, and we point at unsaved politicians, and we ask them, why the heck are they doing this? Well, they don't have God, number one, so we should be praying for them, praying for them and not judging them. But... God said this to Solomon at the dedication of the temple. If my people, who are his people? Us. Okay, so I'm going to have to preach this another 10 times. Okay. <laughs> we are his people who are called by my name. will do this first, humble themselves. Secondly, seek my face. Turn from their wicked ways. Get it right in here. I will hear from heaven, and I will heal their land. If we look at that, what God is saying, it doesn't matter who's in power. God can move a hand of man. He used pharaohs. He used Babylonian kings. He lost many, many people, unsaved, ungodly people to do his will because of praying people like Daniel and Joseph. And he delivered nations. And of my people. And so it's a reflection on me, and I'm speaking to me. The state of the nation is a mirror of the state of the church. sobering stuff, and we can change it, God asked this question, it's a rhetorical question, can a nation be saved in a day, and the answer to God, because nothing's impossible, of course it can, if my people, and that's what God is calling us to do, and God has given us a vineyard, off my notes now so I'll just do that because we'll never finish God has given us a vineyard a vineyard that he, we've named Oceanside Jesus Matthew 15 is the the gardener it's the father's vineyard and we are the vine And he has called this vineyard to produce fruit, fruit that lasts. Galatians 5, go and read, the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit is love, joy, peace, to produce those things. But he also, he told me this, when I say personally, in my heart. I was praying, uh, a story I was not here, praying about whether I should be here or a different part of the world. And he said, "This ten-year vineyard." And I said, "What does that mean?" He said, "I've given you a vineyard in Nanaimo, uh, British Columbia, and that vineyard needs to produce fruit. Stop looking over the fence at other vineyards and comparing yourself, because there's always a vineyard doing making better wine than you, and there's one that's making worse wine." just happens. So you're either going to be really happy or you're going to be really sad. Tend your vineyard. Let others tend their vineyard. We need every life-giving church in this city and this nation to tend what God has had, to produce fruit, lasting fruit, so that together we can come together and create this one huge big vineyard for God. All producing fruit, all honoring each other, and when we start doing that, and so it's not, we cannot say, well, they're not doing it. That's not our responsibility. We can pray for them, and we can love them and encourage them, and hopefully they do that for us. Our responsibility is what God has given us. And if this is where God plants you, it's, it's to be part of the solution. He's handpicked you, and He's brought you here to be part of that solution with us. You see, Hebrews, John, okay, we'll read these two scriptures and then, because one of the things I want to focus on, now, there's a how many pictures of the church, the army of God, the bride of Christ, um, and so on, the body of Christ, so many. But the main one to me is the family of God. The church is to be God's family, God the Father, God the Son, And we're empowered by God the Holy Spirit, the triune God, working together to build an eternal family. We are called sons and daughters of God. Now, when we think family, organizer, God is not the chief executive officer of the universe, the CEO of the universe. God is a father. You see the difference between organization and family. We've lost a whole bit of that in, in between, we'll get back to one of these weeks. But this is what um, in, one John, in John chapter 1, starts in, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, the Word uh, became flesh, was God, was with God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And it's talking about Jesus, the living Word of God. But this is what it says in 11 to 13, and, and go and read the chapter and the context. Please, if you get scriptures and you listen to this or you make notes, understand that even when, when I read what I'm going to read now, it's in context. And to do the whole context, there's not time for. So this here, in a sense, is for people to maybe consider them and search the scriptures for themselves, as the Berean church did. But it says here, in 11 to 13, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those believed in his name, he gave the right to become workers of God, managers, no, no. Children of God, children born born not of natural descent, nor from of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. And you can read that in John chapter three, being born of the Spirit. In Hebrews, this is an amazing scripture too. Hebrews two eleven, both the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. Who made us holy? Jesus Christ sacrificed on the cross. He made us holy. And who the ones who were made holy? That's us. The three free gift of salvation. Are of the same family. Now that's good enough. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers he's not ashamed of us he's proud of us he's not the the relative that he hides in the cupboard when the angels around he's not ashamed he paid the price for us he knows we are working in progress he knows that we he needs to lavish grace upon us he knows that it's only through his blood that we can be purified but he's not ashamed and if you have ever People, You felt people have been ashamed of you or or whatever, and I'm sure we've all been through that. Jesus has never, ever been ashamed of you or to call you, that's my brother. Amazing, eh? You see, when we understand this and, and we begin to function as members of God's family out of a place of love and security, not because we have to but because we want to and we see that family places more value on who we are than what we do the family of god family val- values diversity organization more about conformity group think use this allergy, analogy last week again 1 peter 2 calls us living stones, God calls us, built into a spiritual house in which God lives by His Spirit. That's us. And I just love the fact that we aren't cookie-cutter-baked bricks, which religion tries to make us. All look the same, act the same, smile the same, and all of that. And if you don't fit in that little... Mold, this is not for you. God calls us stones, and like I said, I challenge you to find one stone in the world that's the same. There's sandstone, there's granite stone, there's uh, diamonds which are uh, made through carbon under pressure, and there's coal. Now, which of those is more important? Well, to maybe a young Right? That diamond is more important than coal. But in the middle of winter, if you're in a cabin with a coal stove and no coal, you would swap that diamond for coal straight away. You would give it away. They're both important. Different functions. And so, the variety in the church is important. And God made us like that. Diversity. Family is inclusive. From Psalm 66, 68, 5 to 6. A father to the fatherless, a defender of the widows, is God in His holy dwelling, and He sets the lonely in family. No one should be felt lonely in the body of Christ. That's why it's important we don't stay in our own little group, and our groupthink and whatever you want to see it. But we are constantly coming and saying, how, God, can we reach out to others? How can we do that? And the Bible says this, if you are lonely, you reap what you sow. So if you're lonely, and the positive of this is if you're lonely... Just have a look around, and you'll find somebody that also looks lonely. And go and say hi to them. And now you're not lonely anymore. And neither are they. We can't be said, oh, nobody's uh, reaching out to me. And some are shyer than others. I understand that. And if we, are, if we, we all have a responsibility. But the key to loneliness is to make friends. And if if that doesn't work, please come see us. Deborah and I, we will be your friend, and I'll promise you that. We will be your friend. You got a friend in me, hey? (laughs) Family is about fun. And this is where I want to end. I'll put all the, maybe the others up there, but family is about shared responsibility. You know, when a new visitor comes to my home, or oh, Deborah's an amazing not, not when she's away, it's a bit out of control. I'll go one day to get it right before she gets back. But when Deborah's there and they come, and she'll, they'll come sit in the living room or outside, and they will have tea and all of that and, and enjoy the hospitality. So that's visitors and we have visitors in this church right today who are trying to hear from God where they need to be. And if it's here, God will plant them here. If it's not, God will show them. But they are trying to hear from God, and they are visitors. And visitors, it takes more time than others to settle in. And we have grace for that. But when you've been a visitor for five, ten years, maybe there's something wrong. With this picture. You see, family gets responsibilities. They have to vacuum, clean the kitchen, take out the garbage, help pay for stuff if they're making money. Help the family. They have responsibilities. But you would never ask a visitor that comes there, hey, will you take out the garbage because my family won't do it. <laughs> do you think that person's coming back and God has an expectation of us Wes, nearly, I said Where's you better keep quiet you're preaching my preacher he did a way better job much less time family is about shared responsibility and I'm going to show the, you this in the word sharing the load the spiritual load through prayer, praying for the body, praying for the family, praying for our nation, the physical load, volunteering. in any way, there's no less important servant in the place. We're all serving in a different ways. But if there's somebody like I say, making sure that they come at 8.30 to make sure that when people rush in here and they haven't had time to buy a coffee, there's coffee here. I'm pretty, "Mm, where's the coffee? They do it, and that is worship. Everything we do for God is worship. When we give money, it's worship. When When we serve, it's worship. Everything we do is an act of worship. That's another tradition. Singing songs uh, with a wonderful worship team is one expression of worship. But God intends that our lives be worship. In Matthew 25, we are talking about when I was here and you fed me and you did all of that. He said, "You know, when I was at church on Sunday, you had the best voice. You were awesome man sitting there worshipping me and all of this, man. We're going to do that forever and for all eternity. Worship is a lifestyle. Worship is how we conduct ourselves and serve even our clients if we need to. They come in there and they're stressed and all of this and you, and somehow the Holy Spirit makes an opportunity for you to minister to them. Amen, I... You know? That's worship. That puts a smile on God's face. The physical load, the financial load. And I want to finish with this. Galatians 6, 1, 2, 5. And I pray that you consider these things. This is an amazing church. I, I have the privilege of ministering all over. By God's grace, we never ever asked to go. We have never once said, "Hey, can you hook me up?" Never. It's by invitation only that we go. And God is opening doors, and I'm Deborah and I'm still overwhelmed why? We are part of a team that God is opening doors and it's been part of that team. It's not only us, God is opening nations to us. So when I'm not here, we have an amazing leadership team that we have built up, and they need to step up when I'm not here. Not that I'm more important, I just have a different role. And how many of you know, because I listen to some of their preachers, I get reports, so I come back here, and the church is doing better than when I left. The preaching's been better. I get, hey, those guys preached their socks off and all of this. Awesome. I'm not saying, oh, geez, that guy better never preach again, all of this. I am so pumped because it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about him. And if everyone carries their load, we can go to the nations because others are carrying their load. And Galatians 6, 1 to 5 says this. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin... You who live by the Spirit should restore him gently. Put that on your mirror. Because you will reap what you sow. And I've done it, and I've got all these t-shirts. I've been in ministry for over 30 years. I've made all of the mistakes. You reap what you sow. And I've reaped because of some of the ways that I've led sometimes, and I've had to apologize about it. Wouldn't you want to be restored gently? Who wouldn't? All of us. But watch yourselves, or you too may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ is the law of love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. This fulfills the commandments. And then in John 13, he says, A new command I give you, love one another. Not only love God, but love one another as I have loved you. And by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. We carry each other's burdens. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. So this is what we do. This is what I do. Not you, you, not me, but me. I often have this ability to judge myself by my intentions and others by their actions. So I get up in the morning and I feel, hey, you know, it would be great if I went and did this, you know, whatever it is visit somebody in hospital or something like that. And yeah, that would be awesome, you know. Joe's in hospital. would be great. Then I get on with my day, and I don't visit. I feel good just because I intended going, and I didn't even go. Ah, man, Mike, that's awesome, man. You're such a good, you felt so, you know what I mean? But heaven help if somebody says they don't, and don't do what they say. You see, We've got to carry this together, and you are not to think of ourselves more highly than we all, and we've got to test our actions so that they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to somebody else, for each one should carry his own load. So people say, what about big church, small church? I was telling my two friends, they have Churches, the one is seven thousand. I've just spent time with him finding how he even administrates that. The others, the others in the two thousand, same. I, these are friends of mine. I'm wanting to learn how they do that because that church feels as much family as this church. And it's through connect groups and everybody working together as a family. You see, the church, the church grew in, in Acts one, you want to say, well. God's not into big church. It was 120. Well, no, that wasn't even the church. That was just people praying together. The first church was 3,000 in one day. And somehow God gave them the ability to administrate this. I don't know how, to, how he did it. But when we all carry our little bit of the load, and we are all being the kings and priests that God has called us to be, everybody should be looked after. And yes, we, as the, as the shepherds, need to be there with the sheep and, and encouraging and so on. But the load can get as big as the amount of people that are involved. If we have a church of a thousand and there's a hundred people carrying the load, I would be the first one to leave. leave. And I'm leading it because it's just burnout, it's impossible. But if we have a church of a thousand people, which we don't, but it's just a round figure at this stage, and five or six hundred are engaged, and the other four hundred or so, four or five hundred who are needing ministry, who are needing restoration, who are needing healing in their lives, don't feel pressured to do stuff because they're in this process. But that process has to have an outcome, an outcome that one day they too will help others. Then you have a ra- ratio of one to one. 500 to 1,000. Well, how can a church of 6,000? I'm sat with my friend Grant. How do you do this, Mike? It's a mobilization of the priesthood of believers. It's a mobilization. We cannot do this outside of Jesus Christ. We cannot do this outside of the body of of Christ and setting the, these things in place. And imagine what we could do as co heirs with Christ, with the power of God, if we truly got together and became the church that God, Jesus Christ, came to build. Amen.